Welcome to Real Talk Christian, where we have real conversations that impact our family and community. I'm your host, Chris Fuller, and today we have a very special guest with us, my friend Paul Lindgren, to talk with us about affairs, divorces, and is the church failing? So stay tuned and listen in. Let's go. Thank you for joining us at Real Talk Christian, a place where real Christians talk about real issues impacting the community and the world as it pertains to Christians. Now here are your hosts, Mark Hyde and Chris Fuller. Well, here we are for another episode of Real Talk Christian, and today we have Paul Lindgren, our very special guest, all the way from Indianapolis, Indiana. Paul, how are you doing today? Doing pretty good. A little, little cold. <laughs> it's definitely a lot colder than what it was last week or the week before. <laughs> yeah, and, and since I am actually from Michigan, uh, from this area, grew up, born and raised here, and I just kind of forget sometimes when I travel back up here how cold, how much colder it is. About ten degrees. Well, you you've been down in Indianapolis for how long now? Three years. Uh, three years now? Yeah, three years. Wow. A little over three years. It's been a long time, my friend. Yeah, feels a lot longer. Well, today we're we're you know we always talk about our our coffee that we drink with our guests, but today we're actually we decided to forgo the coffee and go with tea. Uh, I'm actually drinking a tea from Gatlinburg, Tennessee that I picked up last summer, and it's hazelnut cookie tea, which is delicious. And, and Paul, what are you drinking over there? Quality. <laughs> Quality. Benner Tea Company Chamomile Herbal Blend Tea. Mm. Caffeine-free. Sounds real nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, Paul, uh, now that we've discussed our tea a little bit, let's uh, let's go ahead and dive into this this topic. It's a pretty serious topic that we have going on here. Affairs, divorces, and is the church failing us? Um, but before we go too far into that, let's hear a little bit about you and your background. Uh, what was it like to grow up as Paul Lindgren? Where'd you come from? Uh, and, and, you know, tell us your story a little bit. Sure. Uh, so, like I mentioned, I'm, I'm originally from this area. I was born and raised in Three Oaks, Three Oaks, Michigan, about 10 minutes off the lake. And uh, it was, you know, I was born into a Christian household, parents still still together. Um, they've been married for, well, since 1981. So, um, you know, I, it, it was one of those childhoods where a lot of people can remember like the day they were saved. It's mm-hmm. like their salvation day. And I remember like what, what the day looked like in my memory. Right. I don't remember the date that it was because I was like five years old, you know. <laughs> but when you're raised inside the church, I think it becomes harder to have this definitive event, mm-hmm. you know. Um, now, there was a point that uh, Christ became very real to me, and I made conscious efforts uh, to... Uh, you know, have a walk and, and and make those decisions more in teenagers and adulthood. Um, but yeah, I grew up in the church, um, and uh, I got a brother and a sister. I'm the baby, so all of us um, raised and deeply involved in a church, very small church uh, in Baroda, Michigan, and uh, and I I carried on a a pretty strong Christian walk from childhood. Through teenage years, mm-hmm. uh, and I I had attended a weekend called Decotech, which I think is probably more common in this area. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, can you explain for our listeners what a, what what is Decotech? Yes, it's not a different language. <laughs> I am speaking a little more Swedish these days, but uh, so <clears throat> Decotech uh, is actually a spawn from a an adult ministry called Decoloris, mm-hmm. um, and the tech stands for Teens Encountering Christ. So it's uh, it's basically a Teen retreat between the the candidates, which are the the students or the kids, mm-hmm. and the workers. There's about eighty some people. Oh wow! Uh, so it's pretty big, and they do usually twice a year. And I think they must be up to number fifty or sixty or something. Yeah. They've they've done them for several years now. I was gonna say you and I have been friends for eleven years, and you've always gone to them since I've known you. Oh so. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's it, it's it's a very very neat ministry, mm-hmm. um, very very strong and powerful. And uh, it was what really launched my brother's faith. Mm. My sister, she was kind of in college by the time that that my brother and I attended it, so she missed the boat on that, but okay. uh, she's she's strong in her faith, too. Um, so Decotech, when I was 14 years old, 
was uh, a, a very important part that kind of was a catalyst for launching my faith into what it became my own, my own identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, from that moment on, it's it's really been just fighting the good fight. And right. as you'll hear, you know, later in my story, there's going to be um, some rocky parts to that and some redemptive parts to it. And there's a lot of ups and downs as there aren't any faith. But my childhood was a was a really good childhood, a very healthy home, no emotional or physical abuse or nothing like mm. that. It was, uh, I have way more positive memories than negative. Right. Okay. Uh, you know, going back to Deco Tech and, and me knowing your story a little bit, um, can you d- describe to us that, that changing moment? I know you were at a Deco Tech retreat uh, where you got your nickname, the Tin Man, you know, that's you always go to the Tin Man. Can oh, you yeah. kind of describe what, what those events were? Yeah, that's, um, <clears throat> I had kind of forgotten about, because <laughs> I actually, I, I've got a, a couple different emails I use now. Um, but uh, yeah, the Tin Man, I've gone by that uh, email handle and nickname for a while. Mm. Um, so it kind of comes to play a little bit more um, in a relationship that I was in in my teenage years. And I was just at a point in my life where, I was fighting a lot of things, just identity, mm-hmm. um, kind of emotional pain. Um, I kind of had a, a bit of an eating disorder in high school, and I was just fighting with a lot of identity issues, some baggage and wounds that I'd carried from a previous relationship. And um, I was on a Decotech weekend. It wasn't my first. I was 18 years old at this mm. point. So this was four or even may, maybe many more uh, into that. I... Uh, I just had this moment where it was like I could feel this severe oppression within this meeting. Mm-hmm. It was during a worship set, um, and usually I'm a musician in that worship set, but right. this time I wasn't. I was a teen leader. And during the worship set, I just felt this oppression just push me almost to the ground, mm-hmm. and my vision felt tunneled, and I went into the prayer room where they were praying someone in, and um, and they just looked up at me and they didn't even ask what was wrong. They just said, sit here. Mm-hmm. They must have been able to tell on me. And so I sat down, and they prayed over me. And one of the workers had their hand over my chest, like over my heart. And it was like I could feel God lifting the damaged heart that I had out of my body. Right. And that he gave me a new heart, like mm-hmm. the Tin Man from Wizard of Oz. Uh, and from that moment, I've, I felt like that was... Um, even though that was before the really hard years yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and other really bad downfalls, that was a pivotal moment in my mm-hmm. faith. Yeah. So you talked about uh, during that time you were you were uh, a teen leader, but normally you're on the worship team of those Deco Techs. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if our listeners know, but Paul Lindgren, if you guys look down in our show notes, is actually the guy that plays the intro to all of our podcasts. Um, well, that music, that nice little... Uh, drive that we have that, that brings us into our podcast uh, is actually written and produced by Paul Lindgren. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your style of music, where it comes from real fast? Yeah, sure. So that um, that came from my only existing album uh, called Where We've Been, and that was released last year. And that title track is called Paradise. It's just a guitar instrumental. Um, it's beautiful. But <laughs> when, when Mark and I listened to it, we were like, oh, man, this is it right here. This is the podcast intro. And uh, we, we love listening to your music. So, <laughs> yeah, it's um, so my style, I mean, it's, I, I could talk on and on about where my influences come from. But mm-hmm. um, from a musical standpoint, I've just collected a lot of different styles through the years. But from the spot where that album came from uh, was really kind of my diary after. What I, what I refer to as, you know, the hard times in my life as the dark ages. That was kind of my diary to get uh, those feelings and those prayers and those thoughts and everything out. And not necessarily to help someone else. It's mm-hmm. just I feel like it's almost like uh, Lamentations or, or David mm-hmm. crying out to God. It's just that's kind of what it became. Right. Um, but it was healing for me. And if it becomes healing for someone else, that's great. But, right. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, I forgot to mention in the beginning of the podcast, Mark Hyde is not here with us today. My my dear friend Mark uh, had some stuff come up with his, with his family, and uh, so he wasn't able to join us today, uh, which is very sad because I know he was really looking forward to to meeting and get to have a conversation with you, Paul. Um, but I know um, this subject 
matters to him being a youth pastor and his teens, some of his teens, some of the teens that are listening right now, um, thinking about marriage um, and where that may take them. Uh, now, not everybody um, has the same story and not everybody has the same trials as everybody else, but uh, you have a, a pretty ser- kind of serious story um, where you've actually um, had an affair and, and been divorced. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your your first marriage, um, where it was at, uh, from kind of like the beginning dating to um, where it led to the end and kind of where the affair started. Sure, yeah, it's a it's a deep story, and um, <clears throat> I actually want to take this moment before I get involved in this to mm-hmm. just say, you know, I've heard you you and Mark talk a lot about this is real talk Christian. Right, you talk about real things, and um, I. I come into this topic from both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. Um, I know what it's like to commit uh, an atrocity like infidelity. I know what it's like to walk through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I know what it's like to walk into a divorce and and to be on the other side of it. And and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of personal take that I have on this. There's a lot of um, opinion that I have, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of truth that I'm going to be bringing this from Scripture. Uh, and I always, obviously, we always try to line up our opinion with Scripture. Right. Um, but the topics that I'm going to be talking about, and even some of the the things I'm going to share, uh, may be very polarizing. There may be people that have very uh, emotionally tied opinions to it and thoughts. And it's not my goal to offend anybody, right. just to share my story and the perspective of somebody who's walked through this. So, mm-hmm. um, it's uh, it's it's my pleasure to talk about it. But um, I just wanted to kind of throw that out there well, that I'm going to get very real. It's so. it's real talk, so get as real as you need to be. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> I know we kind of already talked about my childhood. Um, there's a few pieces in there that kind of play into going into adulthood and my relationships that are going to um, are going to matter. Um, I was, again, the youngest of three, and my brother, very intellectual, smart, by the book. He's the guy. A.W. Tozer of the day. Yes, he, <laughs> he is. He's, uh, friends that know him will have sometimes joked and asked, like, how's Jesus doing? Yeah. Like my brother. <laughs> or I used to call him Charles Spurgeon Jr. Right. <laughs> right. So, um, yeah, he's he's a great guy, and, uh, and he's always kind of done things by the mm-hmm. book. Right. My sister, same way. I mean, they just... They never really had any issues or struggles. And, um, I mean, even when it came to school, I had ADD. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put me on medicine for ADD, which caused seizures. Because of the seizures, that they ripped me off the medicine. It caused a chemical imbalance, which caused separation anxiety. School became a huge struggle. Uh, I, they almost held me back in the fifth grade. I lost a lot of friends because of just the way that I had acted with, right. you know, dealing with all of it. Um, so my self-esteem started to tank mm-hmm. even as a child. And you, you don't know enough psychological things to know that your behavior is kind of going a certain way or, or even seeking for attention. And I don't feel like I ever really reached a point as a child where I was seeking attention, but I just had those struggles. Right. So, um, one thing that if people don't know this, when you have seizures, you, you can't drive, you can't legally drive right. until you've gone six months without seizures. Um, so I, I just had seizures over and over and over. They weren't they weren't the kind that you shake, but mm-hmm. you just kind of lose consciousness. And I would have sometimes twenty a day. Right. Um, it's uh, it's just you know it's it's it was a it, it, it was a struggle growing up, but I kind of learned how to deal with it. And um, and I eventually kind of found my way in, into just dealing with. I've got all these seizures. It just they're going to keep happening medicine's not working. This is just my life. You know, I may mm-hmm. not ever drive. So my parents, um, they really tried to help me out with that and take me to doctor's offices. I reached a point <clears throat> when I was, um, 15 years old, I went to a, a camp meeting, uh, went up for prayer and just wanted the seizures gone. I asked for healing. And from that moment on, I never had another seizure. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it was a, a huge, huge part of, of my life. And now I'm at this point where I need to start driving. I want to gain independence, but I just kind of had to wait. So at that point, I know that sounded like I was rambling, but <laughs> um, all right. But that that leads me up to where the relationship with my ex-wife started. Right. Uh, I was at a point in my life that I was really 
craving for that independence that I couldn't have. I depended on everyone up to that point in my mm-hmm. life. And uh, at 15, I was involved with a girl at, at youth group where I was at. My parents weren't exactly fond of the relationship. And as a teenager, you know how it goes. Oh, yeah. You, you know. never listen to your parents. They're always wrong. <laughs> Especially when it comes to love. Teens, you listen to your parents. <laughs> listen to your parents. Oh, my. They know. You may not realize it at, at, at your age now. but I'm talking to Jagger, Cassidy, and Eli. Listen to your parents. These are three of the teens that we have in our church. A couple of them are, well, one of them's in college. Two of them are in high school. Great kids. But you, you always got to put that disclaimer in for them. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, because of my lack of independence and mm-hmm. I couldn't drive and all of that, I, I kept the relationship going right. as much as I could. I tried to sneak around, and it was just head over heels for this girl. And they, even her parents, had, were trying to uh, help us out in sneaking mm-hmm. around because they wanted us to be together. Now, now, let me ask a question. In your mind at this time, you thought that this relationship was basically kind of from God, that you guys were supposed to be together. Oh, sure. This was your person... That you were meant to be with, right? Yeah, and and you, even at that age, you start to do spiritual checks. Mm-hmm. You know, like your parents are like, "This isn't supposed to be." You're like, "Well, I feel like it is supposed to be," right? And I don't feel like I'm affected spiritually by it, right? You know, well, and you had said it. You came from a good Christian home. Your parents were strong Christians, still are strong Christians, um, that were trying to look out for your well-being, um, but you didn't see the same thing that they saw. Sure. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. Uh, it it just was. It was two forces of, you know, good things, good people coming from good perspectives, saying different opinions, mm-hmm. and and so you're faced at a, a teenage age where you're you're having to start to make your own decisions and possibly go against what your parents believe. Right. Um, so, eventually, what had happened? We had snuck around to the point that I was in a band at the time. She had. Uh, you know, come to the band practices. She met a guy there that was in the band, right. and uh, and she started a relationship with him, kind of behind my back. So that relationship ended, and I was just caught in this time of loneliness and confusion. Um, I didn't feel like I could go to my parents, mm. um, you know, because they didn't want us to be together. So I just took time off. I just took time off of relationships. I was 16 years old. I didn't know what I wanted, um, and. At the time, with th- that that whole relationship actually caused some struggles with families inside of our church, mm-hmm. and it got to the point where I felt uncomfortable at that church. Hmm. So we moved. Uh, I I had started going to a different church in in Niles, Michigan, and that's where I met my ex wife. Mm, okay. So, <clears throat> um, the relationship was was uh, was great. I felt like it was something my parents could back, which was a huge part of it because I didn't right. want to go through what I just went through. Right. So uh, we kind of start this relationship, and I meet her family, and um, I I feel a sense of independence, like we could kind of have our own relationship, but at the same time, her family dynamic was way different than what I was used to. Yeah. There was a lot more um, aggressive talk. Hostility. (laughs) Hostility. Um, I sat down at the dinner table my first time, and... um, it it just broke out. It wasn't like anyone was physically hurt, right? But but there was a lot of emotional hurt. There was in it that was family. I was shocked. Yeah, I was shocked, and and so I kind of had to try to fit into that. But I also was going through this thing where I felt like I couldn't really, you know, even if I saw signs that the relationship wasn't great, which it wasn't the relationship wasn't great, but there was other dynamics affecting their relationship that weren't mm-hmm. great, like family, you know? right? But I felt like I had just screwed up one previous relationship. I don't, my pride's too much to say I'm going to give up on this one. Right. You know, uh, and I also felt like I've got something good. I, I don't want to lose it and not have something again. So, yeah. so we had stayed together and the relationship was really pretty good for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were young. Uh, I, I had started college. I started nursing school and I was on an accelerated program. You know, I could have gone to a four-year. I did an accelerated year-and-a-half college because I knew I wanted marriage. I wanted kids. I wanted my life to start. Right. So by 20 years old, here I am, got engaged, you know, to my ex-wife, got engaged, and, and I'm ready to just kind of kick things off and, and show that I can, I can be good and I can be mature and I can, uh, I can be successful. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the bar was already set but with my siblings and my parents, and these were smart, successful people. Right. 
So this is what you were supposed to do. This is where you were supposed to be. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. I felt like that was my calling. Uh, and I had also found that, you know, I was in special ed to the moment I graduated high school. Right. And I was even encouraged by my sister, like, you know, there's a lot of great trade jobs out there. College may not be for you. And I was like, oh, man. Well, you were doing trades at the time, like your high school years, you were doing trade school. Yeah, I, I did um, I did building trades. Right. And, and I could have worked construction. And right. that was a... Because I mean, you did that for a while. Right. And I worked construction before my nursing um, college. But uh, it, it just kind of became a thing that that I, I, I have... Uh, I have a lot of skill sets that I kind of acquire, mm-hmm. but I also have this drive in me that if someone tells me I, I, I may not be good at something, I, I just want to do it. I want right. to see. I want right. to try it. In college, I was like top two in my graduating class, so I saw that I had this success, and I had this drive all of a sudden to just tackle life. So we get, we get engaged. We ended up getting married when I was 20. Mm-hmm. Uh, we both were 20. We, we hadn't quite turned 21. The honeymoon was a bit of an issue because we, we we weren't old enough to check into hotels, right? <laughs> <laughs> at least at the time yeah. in, in Florida. Um, but shortly shortly after that, we kind of started to form our own independence as a couple. Mm-hmm. The church we were at, we felt like it wasn't quite challenging us enough. I was involved heavily in the worship team, and um, and I never quite got a break. If I was on guitar and the bassist wanted a week off, I went to bass. If the drummer wanted a week off, I went to drums, right. and just so on and so on. So I kind of felt like I was just wore out, um, and we left that church and kind of tried to settle into some different places, and and we had met a couple there mm-hmm. that uh, really kind of stood out to me, married couple, and uh, the 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 guy in this couple was um, was someone that I kind of looked up to, and. He had a hunger for the scripture and hunger right. for the truth that I I wanted to pursue in life. So I re- I had remembered that they went to the same church um, that we had just left, and I remembered that, and I was kind of thinking back, like I kind of want to reach out to him and see what he's up to. Mm-hmm. So I did, and he had a men's group, um, and uh, he was also searching for churches. Right. He had just left with his wife, and we had eventually settled on, you know, this New Testament. You had mentioned it in one of your other podcasts, mm-hmm. home church. Right. Yep. Meeting out of houses, which we need to get you back on the program for that because that's a whole episode or two in itself. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's uh yeah. I, well, I won't get into that. Yeah, but yes, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so uh, for anyone that hasn't listened to that, go check out. I don't remember what episode it was in. Yeah, Mark's the good one with the episodes. <laughs> in, a, in a quick nutshell, yeah. the New Testament church met out of homes. They went house to house. Right. Uh, yes, there were times where they would meet at synagogues, mm-hmm. but the real church met family side, table side, right. ate meals together, well, did the, everything together. The synagogue was more to preach to those who didn't know Christ. That's why they met in the synagogues. Yeah, and that uh, was and that was a time that you could come together as a massive body, right? Um, or special events or different things. But the the house church was where it was at. And so, mm-hmm. in researching these scriptures, my ex wife and I and this couple decided to kind of start this church, and we got their family involved and other friends and um and uh this this house church that that Paul is talking about right now is a house church that I had mentioned in one of our earlier episodes that I was a part of and that's the men, that men's group and then that house church is how Paul and I met mm-hmm. uh, and grew our relationship within that setting right i actually um the house church started first and i i uh was really hunger hungry for um like a closeness of brotherhood mm-hmm. and mentorship, and um, and the the guy that that we had started the house church with, um, I could tell he was kind of protective of the men's group. I'd mentioned it, and I think that there wasn't like an initiation, but I you could tell that he wanted to make sure that I was. There had been a lot of people that had come and flaked out, <laughs> right? I, I, I think he wanted to make sure I was at the standard of right. commitment, right? Because um, commitment so, was a huge thing for him. Oh yes. So. Oh yeah. And and commitment is is really good, right? You know, you you need to have that. And uh, so anyway, like a year later, I ended up starting the men's group and and met met Chris here. And yeah. you know, besides our spouses who are our best friends, <laughs> right? Chris and I are the best outside of our marriage friends. Right. Well, there for a, a while we joked about, oh, you know, if something ever happened, we'd just run away to Mackinac. That was our place <laughs> right. that we wanted to go. <laughs> Yeah, we just uh, through through thick and thin. Yeah, we have been there since we met, and um, 
it's it's been a, a beautiful relationship that I've really really cherished. So I, it, I'm just glad to be here with you yeah. today. You know, sharing this. So the house church and the men's group were two massive uh, opportunities and experiences, and those aren't even the right words. They were they were just great environments mm-hmm. to grow such a real, raw, and organic faith and strength of um, spiritual character and um, gaining of wisdom from people. Yeah. I mean, as opposed to sitting in pews in a congregation, which there's no problem with that, right. this was such a tight-knit, close mm-hmm. community of maybe 20 people, you know? Yeah, it wasn't that many. I mean, it was a big group for meeting in the house, but... Yeah, it's it, but you grow tight-knit connections, oh, yeah. right. and that's the purpose in it. We need to be close as Christians. I mean, um, we, we all became family. That's what we did. it was. It was, it was family. <laughs> it was a family, like, uh, it, that created almost a new standard for family that I have. Right, yep. So the marriage is going on, um, and we're trying to kind of find this balance of me still doing guest worship leading at different churches, involved in another permanent worship spot at a, at a church that met on Sunday mornings, Friday night men's group, Saturday home church, Tuesday night prayer shack. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I could see you were about to finish my I, I was, too. <laughs> Tuesday night prayer shack, and then you and I would meet. We were playing tennis two or three times a week yeah. and meeting together. Yeah, and uh, and so I, you know, at that point in my Christian walk, I was like, I've got everything covered right now. Not from a prideful standpoint, but right. I've got mentorship from older men in the men's group. I've got a close-knit community of home church, almost like a small group. I've got corporate Sunday morning worship. I'm using my gifts of worship leading. Um, I have one-on-one, you know, lateral-to-lateral friendship with you. Right. And I'm like, oh, this is covered. And and my ex-wife was doing the same thing. She was out um, with relationships, cultivated inside those same groups, Mm -hmm. you know, a women's group and then the home church. And what started to happen... um, was that those close relationships really became uh, something that I think threatened Satan. He doesn't want us to become close as believers. Mm -hmm. The busyness of the schedule uh, kept me so busy that... There was no one-on-one time with your ex-wife. Yeah. I mean, we we had those times, but when you're you're that busy, you just, you can't put the quality into a relationship that you need to, and you don't even know it mm-hmm. because you're, you're filling your life with healthy things. Right. Um, this, this goes back to, I believe I mentioned it. I'm trying to remember if I mentioned it in this. I think it's the sports, the one that just aired this past week. Um, I had mentioned that um, where your heart is, that's uh, you got to be careful. Um, I had mentioned going to church and doing these church things. If your heart wasn't right, then uh, it could be a bad thing. And we had, uh, I kind of related it back to sports that doing these sports, you know, could be a good thing or bad thing, depending on what it detracts you from. Um, and in this instance, it sounds like um, you, you were focused on God, but you weren't focused on that relationship with your ex wife at the time, um, which it should always go God, spouse, children, and so on and so forth. Um, so it sounds like you kind of you were doing God, but you are also doing these extracurricular relationships as well at the time. Yeah, I wasn't um, not that I they wasn't, were. Bad I wasn't things. giving quality to anything. Right, there was it was which is not a going and doing these things isn't a bad thing in itself. Um, it's just you weren't didn't have your priorities right. Right, uh, and the other thing too that um, I I had had it in mind to mention this a little later on in the conversation, but I'm going to just throw it out there now. We've got a lot of young listeners, mm-hmm. and faith became a very important thing to me at the age of a of teenage level, college level, and there is so much, so much importance in understanding what you're walking into when you have young relationships. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that you become a monk and uh, stow yourself away until you're 30, and then start to say, "I'm going to try dating out." Right. You know, but there is, uh, you have someone's heart, someone's life, and someone's future in your hands. Mm-hmm. If you want to court, and you feel like this really is something that you can make um, make good and a, and a, a God filled thing, and you can commit, and this is where you should be, mm-hmm. that's great. But you have to understand the weight 
of like W E I G H T, the weight mm-hmm. of what you're walking into with someone else's life. I met my ex-wife when I was 16. It was my second really big relationship. You had just come out of a bad relationship. I had I had just a year previous come out of a, a relationship that had broken my heart mm-hmm. and that would take me a while to get over. Right. Whether I realized it or not. And there you know you you probably heard parents or adults say you don't know what you really want out of life until you're older and you've experienced life. Mm-hmm. And that to me hearing that was a cop out. You know I'm yeah. I'm I'm 18, I'm 20, I'm already 2 4 years into this relationship. I'm like I know what I want. I'm going after life by right. the horns and she's with me, we're committed. You know, we got a good thing going. Who's to say we're too young with this, right. you know? But it is true. It, it it's true that if you aren't sure, if you have any doubt in this, you could be hijacking someone's future. Mm. You could be hijacking someone's heart that belongs to someone else. Yeah. And even with that, uh, I never entered marriage thinking that it would end, yeah. ever. Right. Divorce was off the table for me completely. But As it is in most Christians, when, should be. when we get together, we're all like, no, divorce, that's that's never going to happen. That's a dirty word. That's as bad as any four-letter cuss word. Yeah, uh, We won't even consider that. And um, life sometimes takes you down a path that may change change that. Absolutely. And the key, the key part in that is that a relation ta- relationship takes at least two people. Mm-hmm. To be a healthy relationship, it takes three, which right. God is at the center of. But if you only have one person and God, that's not enough. Yeah, you got to have the other person in there. Right. So we were young. We didn't quite know how to balance life. We were still figuring everything out, um, and uh, and so we had we had kind of come to this this thing where I was used a lot with my musical talent. Mm-hmm. And you I were feel- actually overstretched, probably, with your yes, musical talent. That because- is the appropriate word. <laughs> I was overstretched. Right. And I guess I, stor- I sort of felt it, but I also enjoyed music, mm-hmm. so I didn't feel as much as my ex-wife did. Right. She began to resent my musical ability and my outlets, I think, even though some of them might have been good in itself. Too much of it was going on. Well, and we had talked about she wasn't a musician, so she didn't understand that that was somewhat of an outlet for you. Right, and and she actually didn't have many hobbies. Right. Um, and that's not a bad thing. Unless it's it just... was eating cereal and watching The Office. <laughs> Those are considered hobbies. <laughs> yeah, right, like to cook. You know, I mean, there, there were things yeah, there, right. but you don't have to have hobbies. It's just it can be harder to relate to somebody that has mm-hmm. a lot. Right. And, and I, that was always still a drive for me because I, I struggled so much with um, feeling intelligent and feeling worthy as a child when I started to realize that, hey, I'm pretty good at construction. I'm pretty good at nursing. I'm pretty good at, um, uh, you know, working on things with my hands. And I felt like I just wanted to dive into as many different things to figure if I was good at them as I could. Right. Um, so we reached this point where the ma- the marriage is starting to kind of feel strain. I'm starting to feel unappreciated. Um, and our men's group is closer than ever. Church group is closer than ever. We start up a marriage group inside of our home church, and we just kind of hash out all of our marriages. Hmm. Uh, issues going on, and we're trying to kind of fix things for each other. I had grown very, very close to um, to the the husband of the relationship, the married couple that we right. started the home church with right. in the men's group, and my ex-wife had become close with his wife. Mm-hmm. So we kind of had this understanding of, I felt like I knew him well enough. My ex-wife felt like she knew his wife enough that uh, we kind of got to this point that they the married couples weren't quite seeing eye to eye, and something happened that should not happen, mm-hmm. which is his wife connecting with me Right. To understand him, mm-hmm. me connecting with her to get her to understand him. Right. Um, and that all happened over an app called Words with Friends. There was a chat room mm. and we would play the games, you know, and it was it was just all kind of fun. Started off innocent. Started off innocent. And and the conversation became, you know, well, you know, I know that you're feeling this way. This is this is kind of my perspective of the way that he is, at least when he's not at home with you. Right. And and the conversation just started to slip over a matter of days, weeks, 
just started to slip where even the words being played on on the app and words with friends is like a scrabble app right the words being played were starting to get kind of inappropriate mm. the conversation started started leading to different things and um one thing just sort of led to another and the slope just got more aggressive more aggressive more aggressive to where we eventually found ourselves in an affair hmm. uh and the moment that it happened, there was, I mean, there was a definitive moment that it happened. The weight of the world just came crashing down on the conscience that I had built up as mm. a believer, on my spirit. Uh, I had such a beautiful thing that God had laid in my, in my life with this men's group and the church and my walk and my marriage and um, just this, the, 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 the dream of any Christian person out there. And now I had just done this. Hmm. And we both had felt it. Right. But at this point, we know if, if we try to come out of this, we can't, we can't just sit by and say nothing. Right. That's just not who we are. Mm-hmm. So we sat on it until we could figure out how to, how to get out of it. Right. We knew it would destroy relationships, the church, our whole lives. Uh, and that is the consequence you walk into when you, you, know, when you make a decision like this. And a lot of people, I, I feel like they, they tend to think that when you, when you have an affair, you're seeking it. Mm-hmm. You're tired of your marriage. You're tired of your relationship. I'm going to go out and just feel good again. Right. Most times, that's not what happens. It does, in some cases, happen. You get people that are, that are sexual addicts. You get right. people who are um, egocentric, and they have such this pious character that they, they go and seek things. Right. In most cases, especially inside the church, it does not happen that way. Um, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. says, That which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. So there is nothing new under the sun. Hmm. People have been having affairs for ages. It mean, is, we, we see that with David, King David. <laughs> absolutely. All the way back then. <laughs> And David's heart is such a beautiful heart in Scripture. Right. It's so real. Uh, if people are not familiar with David's story, go back and read. Uh, there are books written on it, commentary, sermons. Uh, it is such a real version of Christianity. Mm. And actually, God could have chosen any bloodline to bring Jesus through. Right. He, he chose David's mm. through Bathsheba, mm-hmm. who David had the affair with. Right. There is redemption past this, but... There's a dark time, and an affair is a dark time. Um, there was no reason the affair had to happen. Right. There were signs that led up to it. There were decisions. A, a male Christian, a male anyone, uh, even if you're not a Christian, right. there are people with moral standards out there that aren't believers. You should never put yourself in a position to counsel someone else of the opposite sex. Right. And vice versa. There's just too much danger there. Mm. Uh, and even in in that conversation that it, that had happened that led up to the affair between you know the mistress and I, yeah, um, there were you know admissions of attraction, uh, and I mean that's that's in the process of it just becoming way too right right. You, Usually, once you've crossed that line, it's unless you go to your spouse and and take care of it right then and there, it's going to go too far. Absolutely, and uh, there's <clears throat> there's always some truth into. Um, things that I mean, Satan, Satan's not going to throw a temptation at you that you're not going to bite on. Right. There are sins like like homosexuality. I cannot relate with in my mind. Mm-hmm. I can't. Other Christians can. Right. I can't. So if Satan tempted me with homosexuality, like, <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. I, yeah. Bye. <laughs> All right. Let's have a nice day. Yeah. Right. But I had insecurities that I had built up. I had a relationship when I was 15 that got away from me that I didn't have control over. I couldn't even say goodbye. I couldn't drive to go say goodbye because right. I couldn't drive, right. you know, until I was 18. Uh, I had wounds that weren't healed. I had a marriage that I felt like, though it was good, was just not, it wasn't cultivated. You guys hadn't connected really because of the busyness of life. Absolutely. The, the, the myth of the greener grass. The grass is greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. Yeah. And right. I hadn't been watering my lawn. Mm-hmm. Um, there wasn't time to water my lawn. I was never around for it. 
Um, neither of us were. Right. I mean, we both were out just experiencing church, yeah. church life, and doing what you felt you were supposed to do rather than doing what you should have been doing. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. So I'm now at this point that I realize I'm in this. I am in this. I I can already see how I how I got pulled in. I had insecurities that I I had I had itches that I didn't know were there that just got scratched. Mm. And and again, once it pulled you in, if someone would have come to me and said, "It's not too late. Yeah. You can save relationships here. You right. can save everything. Get out of it." There are so many scriptures that when it talks about sexual immorality, says to run, yeah. get out of it, don't mess with it. Immorality inside the church. If that person's still in sin, don't even eat with them. Right. It's it's such a thing that you cannot mess with because it it's an inward. All sin happens inward, mm-hmm. but this is an inwardly inwardly uh, grown sin. Right. It's uh, it's on such an intimate level, and we are a marriage is is supposed to be commissioned after Christ and the church. Right. So God hates divorce because that is a perversion of His relationship with the church. Mm. That's a good way of putting it. So when you when you have that that you're faced with, um, there's there's nothing that you can do. There are ways of escape, and I had ways of escape mm-hmm. that I could have left. But there is nothing that you can do to try to tackle it and right. control it. So we both kind of knew this. Um, we we would still meet. You know, Satan has us where he wants us. Right. So it's not like we just tried to keep our moral compasses and keep distance from each other while right. we found a way to do this. No, we were we were active with each other. Mm-hmm. We would meet. We would spend time together and cultivate that relationship. Right. You were watering that lawn. We were watering that lawn. Right. It was... Uh, it was probably a, a month or two into it that we started to feel like there wasn't really any hope in this, and right. and we began to see more purpose with each other than with our spouses. It was almost a rough debate mine at that point. Right uh, for those for those that aren't aware, there's a scripture. I, I'm not sure where it's at, yeah. but it 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 talks about when you have a believer who the Spirit is talking to. Uh, and you keep ignoring, ignoring that that call from the Spirit to to right yourself and turn back to truth and light. That God will actually give you over uh, to a reprobate mind, which is kind of a, a flipping. Your 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 moral compass of north south gets just kind of screwed up. He kind of gives you over to your sin. Um, and I believe that scripture actually, um, if if I'm not mistaken, references that. Once that's done, it's mm-hmm. done. But yeah, I believe it's Romans one twenty eight. I believe is is what that scripture is. Um, but I may be wrong. It says and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a rep, uh, depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Is that the one you're referring to? That that would be it. Okay. So after a few months, we had we had found more purpose in each other. Um, we had almost started devising this plan of, of how do we just exit our marriages mm-hmm. and just make this work? Right. And it's well, and and just there was kids involved as well during this, right? Um, yes, the mistress had had kids. Um, now you and your ex wife did not, which didn't it made things a little easier on your end, kind of. There, <laughs> there was there was I don't know if I'd say less liability, yeah. but. There were less lives involved, and and probably less motivation on on my part mm-hmm. to stay. Right. Um, and <clears throat> and again, this I I realize that for people that may be going through an affair right now, or divorce, or touched by an affair, that this part of the testimony is probably the hardest to hear. Mm-hmm. But this is just you know I am on the other side of this now. This is where my mind and my heart were at. This is just the truth of it. Right. I saw all along the hurt that I was causing to my ex-wife. Um, she wasn't even really aware that there was a lot happening. I mean, she knew the relationship was strained, but when when the grass isn't watered and you not only stop watering it, but you abandon the yard completely, right. 
you're not going to notice that the grass still isn't getting watered because you weren't watering it to begin with. Right. You know? So the signs that there were things going on weren't quite there yet, not mm-hmm. until a couple months into it. And when we had devised a plan to just try to make this relationship work, because, you know, there was too much well, that had, would just be ruined if we went back to our, and you had in our minds. And you both already started doing, separating yourself from those people that were close to you during that time. Um, I know you, for me, was one of them. Um, where you didn't want to hang out, or if we hung out, it was real quick, and mm-hmm. you were already pulling away, not not having devised this plan yet, but naturally, um, you that were That was the spiritual struggle. Right. Because we had become clearly so involved. Um, I mean, the, the two out of the four people that started the home church mm-hmm. were involved in an affair. Right. When When we had gotten that close with each other, you can't have something like this happen without the accountability. Mm-hmm. You can't. Right. So I started distancing myself from my family, from my friends, from anybody that I could, because I didn't want to keep lying to them. Mm-hmm. My moral compass was still there, right. and the Spirit was constantly speaking to me. I just felt like I couldn't, I couldn't add more to the plate. Right. I knew that this was bad enough, but, and even with that, this was the direction I was choosing to go in. Mm-hmm. But I respected the other relationships, Enough not to keep lying. And the same thing went for even our, our spouses. We respected those relationship enough to, to not keep lying there, even though we were in the middle of the most drastic form of a slap in the face that you could give to your spouse's broken vows. Right. Uh, and the slap in the face to God himself. This is that. this What I'm describing to you is the mind of somebody deeply involved in sin and their rationale. Mm-hmm. They have Satan whispering in their ear. I had Satan whispering in my ear. This is the rationale that I had. It makes no sense to say, I don't respect my wife enough to have an affair, right? but I do enough not to keep lying. Hmm. So people started noticing that we were pulling away. Um, we had started kind of pushing the envelope on fights with the spouses, and it just kind of ended up into this thing that... Um, we got called out, you know, what's going on here? We want to try to help out. And the more people pressed in, the more aggressive I got. And, and I, I just want to point out that that is one of the good things actually of a close community of our house church, of our men's group at that time, we knew something was up, even though you weren't saying anything. And and even though the mistress wasn't saying anything, we all knew something was going on. And so we started to press and really started to press, um, even my, my dad is part of that men's group, which that men's group is still going on. Um, but even to the point where he was pressing and was like, well, if you, you know, if you're having marital issues, you know, take a, take a week at a hotel and he put you up in a hotel at the time just to try to get away, to try to help. I mean, we were all trying to love on you and help you, but Satan had such a foothold, it seems, um, that you were looking to separate. Absolutely. That weighed just as much on my on my spirit when when you hear clearly when you know that you are in sin a deep sin a hurtful sin to the to the extent of an affair and you are constantly rebuking people that are trying to write you you're constantly rebuking the spirit you are creating scars on your soul hmm. those scars are still in me today right they are god can heal a lot of things but you know, God has um, has stopped certain people from seeing certain things, the promised land, because of, of certain mistakes, you know. Well, and I think scars are a good thing. I look at Christ. When Christ died and was buried and rose again, he came, and his scars were a sign of what he had done. It was a reminder to the, those who saw what had happened. Um, I think the scars from sin that we do now Jesus didn't sin obviously but those scars were from our sin that he took otherwise those scars wouldn't have been there if he didn't have to die for us and I think that's what sin does it leaves scars as a reminder and God allows him to stay for a reminder to us of what he has brought us from Mm -hmm. and I think you know that's why we have scars that's why you have scars during this and it's a reminder and it keeps you hopefully (laughs) it keeps you from doing this again (laughs) uh there's a statistic, um, I believe that it's 70% of the, 
of anybody that stays with their mistress. Um, I believe it's that that they that the relationship is uh, is almost doomed to fail. It might even be ninety percent. Um, and uh, even with those statistics, what you have um, going into a choice like that, you know the odds are stacked against you, mm. but you're not thinking with a logical mind. Right. So we had, um, I mean, we'd even talked about the spiritual nature where we were at with uh, having, uh, was our salvation lost? Would we, um, would we go to hell for this, mm. you know? And uh, we would try to make rationality of this. We didn't have anyone else to talk to. Right. You know, we had clammed ourselves up to just talking to each other. We had actually, um, there was a, a very high esteemed counselor at the time that a lot of people were going through to, mm-hmm. um, to see. And we had talked about calling her up and saying, hey, I want to make an appointment, fix me. My ex-wife had actually, at this point, I was already, I, I had moved out of the house right. into an apartment in my mm-hmm. own. My ex-wife had started going to this counselor to just trying to cope with things. And um, I reached out to the counselor. I said, I, you know who I am. I'm right. such and such's husband. Um, and I just want to, uh, I want to talk to somebody about this. Right. So, um, I want to, I, w- I want to come clean with things, but I don't want any information to get out right. to anybody else. So, um, that was kind of the turn where I, I started to realize it's a make or break moment. I'm right. feeling like this this affair is wearing on me. Yeah. And now the decision that I had made of um, it's too much pain if we try to go back, too much damage, mm-hmm. I'm starting to see that backfire on me. Yeah. And I think we both were by this point hmm. in time. Well, I want to continue this conversation, um, but we've hit our time for this week. Um, so we're going to have Paul back here for uh, next week's episode, part two of affairs, divorce, and is the church failing? Paul, thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to having more conversations with you. But before we go, we have the uh, the Mark requested fun facts with Fuller. Sorry, Mark, you're not here to say it. I wish I could should have recorded your voice so we could put you in here. But my fun fact today is the bowler hat was invented as a safety measure. The familiar bowler hat may look fashionable, but it began as a purely practical item. A riding helmet meant to pr- protect riders from branches and other obstacles. It was designed by London hat makers Thomas and William Buller, hence the name. So that's my fun fact with Fuller. Thanks for joining us today, and we look forward to having you next time. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Real Talk Christian. To help get our podcast into the ears of other people who need to hear these conversations, we would love for you to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. To keep the conversations going, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and share our content with others. See you next time.